In chapter 1 of the letter to the Ephesians, Paul blessed God for his glorious grace toward the followers of Jesus. He described the riches we have in Christ and declared the glorious exaltation of Jesus. Today on Drawing Near, we examine the condition of fallen man. This ominous description serves to highlight the glory of God's grace and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus for sinners. So open your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and join us for Dead But Not Done. Before we begin, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you look down from your throne in heaven upon fallen man, dead in sin, chained, lost, and in your love and grace extended a call to redemption to us. And you did this through Jesus Christ, who willingly gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins so that we might have forgiveness and life. We thank you so much for this mercy, and we ask, Father, that you would help us to see the depth of your love and your grace and the great sacrifice of Christ on the cross as we examine this letter together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 together. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. One of the challenges in studying God's Word is a lack of understanding of the original languages that the Bible was written in. Now, we are thankful to God that He has provided so many modern translations of His Word, which enable us to compare those translations and understand more fully what God intended us to hear. These first three verses in Ephesians chapter 2 are all one sentence. Not only are they one sentence, but they begin with a participle, or an I-N-G word. They literally begin with the word being. And so, chapter 2, verse 1, begins with being dead. He is getting ready to explain everything that is related to our being dead in our sins and trespasses. Paul sets these three verses up this way in order to punctuate the work of Christ for our salvation. And it's important for us to understand that this is all one suspenseful sentence in verses 1, 2, and 3. And so literally, we are told, and being dead in your trespasses and sins. There's a, a show on TV, The Walking Dead. Literally, all of humanity is physically alive, but spiritually dead in sins and trespasses, except for faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This describes the, 
the dire situation that we're in. It is difficult for people to make sense of spiritual things when they are spiritually dead. And it is because of that that we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When the gospel touches the heart of an individual, they literally have the possibility of coming alive spiritually in Jesus Christ. But as long as we are in our sins and trespasses, we are dead. And so I would like for us to understand these first three verses by trying to remember three words. The first is dead. The second is deceived. And the third is doomed. And so first of all, we're told, being dead in your trespasses and sins. God has given to all of humanity his law, his righteous requirements. He has told us what is necessary for us to live in peace with him. In order to be acceptable to God, we must comply with his commands. And yet, man has fallen. Man has sinned. That happened back in the garden, and all of the descendants of Adam from that point until now are dead in sins and trespasses. To sin is to fall short of the glory of God. It is to miss the mark that God has set for us. And so we were dead spiritually in our sins and trespasses. That's our current state apart from Christ. In verse 2, it says, in which you formerly lived or walked. We lived and walked in those sins. We made our decisions sinfully. We have sinful attitudes, sinful hearts. The heart is desperately wicked above all things who can know it. And we live our lives in sin. Therefore, we live out our lives in this deadness as a result of sin. We are spiritually dead. When we go to share the gospel with someone, we need to recognize that that poor sinner is dead. They have no spiritual life. Sin has caused a deadness to their soul. And so we try to share the gospel and to present it to them so that they would come alive to faith in Christ, alive to God. We are literally seeking to rescue people from the dead, just like we have been rescued from the dead. Not only are we dead in our sins, but this passage also tells us that we are deceived. Listen to these words. You're dead in your sins and trespasses in which you formerly walked according to the course or path of this world. This world is on a path of sinfulness. There is a time coming when we will no longer be on this path. Jesus Christ will return and will restore all things to the state that God originally intended. But right now we're on this path of sin. We're following this course of this world. And we're told that we're walking according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air. Many people do not believe he still exists. 
but there is a devil, and he is at work. He is a spiritual power, a power of the air. He has authority, and he is working to deceive the hearts and lives of people. Jesus says that Satan is a liar and a thief and a murderer. He lies first, steals away what belongs to God, and steals from us what God desires us to have, and the end result is death, spiritual death and physical death. That's the consequence of our sin. It is appointed unto man once to die. That judgment of death is the result of our sin. So Satan has deceived all of mankind. We think we know what we're doing. We think what we do makes sense. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We are deceived. We're deceived by the devil. We're deceived by our fellow man. We are deceived. So we're dead in our sins and our trespasses, and we are deceived by Satan. Now notice what it says in verse 2. We're walking according to this world's current path, according to the prince of the power of the air, the devil, who is the prince of the power of the spirit that is working in the sons of disobedience. It's not saying in verse 2 that we're walking according to the prince of the power of the air, who is the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. The original language makes it clear that it is the prince of the power of the air who is working in or ruling over the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. There are demons at work. They're guiding governments. They're guiding individuals. Satan is real, and he has spirits under his power, and they are working in the lives of the sons of disobedience. Now, the words, the sons of disobedience, means that we are those who live according to disobedience to God. Now, if you've hung around with me this long, I have some good news. In verse 3, we're told these words of hope. Among them we too all formerly lived. The idea of formerly is the idea that we are no longer in this situation. Those who have trusted in Jesus Christ by faith, in his death on the cross, his burial and resurrection for our sins and for our victory over sin, we formally live this way. Now that not only gives us a word of hope, but it also gives us an indication of how we are to be living. When it says among them we too formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, that means we no longer live in the lusts of our flesh. We no longer walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. We live according to the righteousness of Christ. We live by faith in Jesus. God has set us apart to live holy and blameless before him. We learned that in chapter 1. So we no longer walk according to the loss of our flesh. So praise the Lord, we are no longer dead in our sins and trespasses, but have been made alive in Jesus Christ. The old has passed away. 
Behold, all things have become new. That is the word of hope and promise at the first part of verse 3. But we don't continue to walk in sin even though we're saved. There is a transformation, a regeneration that takes place in the heart and lives of God's people. We no longer tolerate sin in our hearts and lives. Now, when we sin, we confess our sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all righteousness. But we do not habitually, casually, indulgingly walk in sin. God has saved us from that and has set us apart in Jesus Christ. So he says, among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh. We indulged the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We've talked about being dead. We've talked about being deceived. Now we need to note that all of those who remain dead in their sins and trespasses are doomed. We are by nature children of wrath if we have not trusted Christ and received redemption from our sins and reconciliation to God. If you have not trusted Christ, you are by nature, by your sinful nature, a child or a creation of God destined for wrath. Now, people don't like what I'm about to say. Matter of fact, people don't like a whole lot of what I've said in this broadcast. But there is a condemnation awaiting all of those who are in sin. If they reject the gospel of Jesus Christ, if they reject God's offer of reconciliation, then they are condemned to eternal damnation, hell, for all eternity. People say, that sounds extreme for a few mistakes. Remember, sins are not mistakes. Sins are a violation against God's righteous decrees. And these sins have resulted in Jesus's coming to this earth, living a sinless life, and giving his life for our sin and atonement. And if we reject God's offer of love, mercy, and grace in Jesus Christ, we deserve that condemnation. God desires us to be saved but we must be saved through the offer of salvation that God has extended toward us. Without Christ, we are dead, deceived, and doomed. But in Christ, we are alive, we are enlightened, the eyes of our hearts being opened, and we are saved to eternal life. That's what we saw in chapter 1. Praise the Lord. O Father in heaven, thank you for the offer of salvation in Jesus Christ that enables us to be alive and enlightened and saved. We are secure in Jesus Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit, and we thank you so much for all of your glorious grace that is abounded in our hearts toward life and righteousness in Jesus Christ. O oh, Father, open our eyes further that we may see the riches of your love, the depth of your grace and mercy toward us. Help us to see Jesus and the price that he paid for our sin 
so that we might worship you and glorify you and honor you with the fruit of holy lives. Watch over your people, Father, and help us to share the gospel so that others might come to life in Christ as well. Father, continue to save the lost. Continue to open their eyes and to redeem them. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple iTunes, Google Play, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and He will draw near to us.